So I'm going to do something kind of wild tonight, and it'll be something, well, I actually never preached on this one time in my whole life, and um, I don't know if I should show you the sign up there or not. Nah, ways to give, that's not it. What are the golden years? We're going to talk about old folks. Now, I wasn't talking to anybody in particular, but I, boy, y'all are exciting. I want to talk about, you know, something Lisa asked me the other day, if I wanted to say something during my um, birthday tomorrow, and the, the more I thought about it, the more I had to say, and I thought, well, this isn't going to fly. She, you know, she's like three minutes, and I've got like one hour. And I'm like, okay, let's don't do this. But it is a time, and, and it is, you're turning 70, here's what happened. I don't even know where it came from. I, I mean, it just snuck up on me, and I don't even believe it. not even sure I'm really 70. I'm going to go back and check my birth certificate. Maybe I'm like a Barack Obama, and I was born someplace else, and nobody. But, but I do, but I thought it would be a good time to talk about perspective and what the Bible has to say about being older. And I'm going to tell you, it's not the booger you were told it was, nor the one the world sold us. And, and so having said that, I want to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm going to start off by making a statement. Early in life, I heard Ecclesiastes is a book that was written when Solomon was backslidden. And, and you know, no one ever challenged it. So I decided one day to read it myself. Why would God take a backslidden king, put his opinion in his book? And a lot of people's opinions, and especially backsliders and people fell away from God, but, but the reason for it, and the, the, the book has a theme in it, and I'm going to tell you what it is now. Solomon, at the end of his life, and we're going to go over a couple of scriptures. <coughs> he's had money. He's had wealth. He's had wives. He's, he's had everything that his eye desired. And, and, and he's been rich, he's been poor, he's been healthy, he's been sick. He's spent his whole life writing Proverbs and giving people wisdom. And at the end of his life, he sat down and wrote a touche to his life, and that's Ecclesiastes. So I've often said what I'm about to say to you. I don't know what happened in my throat. Sometimes I sit with my grandchildren, and I'll look at them and say, if I was you, I'd ask me questions. And they just look at me, and they don't ask me nothing. And it dawned on me, they don't even know what questions to ask. And I have another saying, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, and, 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 and I have another one. I have another one. Um, and, and I'm going to get ahead of myself right now, and I think every one of you will relate. Mercy Me came out with a song, Dear Younger Me. Okay, y'all heard the song. And it's a song that he's singing of the things he'd like to say to himself when he was young. Have y'all ever thought... I wish I'd known that. Yeah, I think all of us, and, and I thought about it so, so deep one day that it dawned on me I wouldn't have any kids. I wouldn't have any grandkids. I would have probably never gotten married. <laughs> well, everything that I have now would have been totally different. And I would have made a lot of decisions very different. And, and y'all too. 
Well, actually, this is what Solomon is doing in the book of Ecclesiastes. He's having a talk with what he's learned as he gets older about what is and isn't important. Oh, boy, y'all are exciting. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Solomon, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, it's all vanity. What a, you know, if you stopped right there, you'd go, he's backslid. But he isn't. Now let's, let's, think about, let's think about this for a second. You and I have learned this in life. That without God, life really doesn't mean anything. If you're older, you have finally figured this out. There's a lot of things we pursued, a lot of things we did, they amounted to nothing. And the world right now is doing that helter-skelter. Now, let's think about this one. I was, I was, oh, by the way, this is my sister Nancy and Brooke from Washington, D.C. Anyway, so... I was watching an article the other day um, by Amir Sufasi. Do you know that right now at this moment, there are 25 cities in the world flooding under four feet of water? Did you know that's never, ever in the history of this earth ever happened, other than Noah? And it's Lisa's dad one time made a statement that... Um, there are people that are so crooked, they've gotten the ability to change weather, and I'm starting to believe it. I'm thinking, well, you got the, you got the whole planet, and, and there's 25 cities that are burning in the world. Now, last month, there were 25 different cities. So in two months, that's 50 floods in, in 60 days. I got them all written down in my office in there on a desk. And Brazil and Rio de Janeiro and Paris and France and, and, and in Germany. And, and I mean, you name it, China's had like five major floods. So, you know, we're looking at the world and going, it's, it's a very different place to live right now than we've ever been. And it's time for us to stop and think about what we're doing that's not important. Because the world, now think about the fact that the, the number of people in the world that are born again is approximately, a, by, <coughs> by evangelical standards, America is about 20%. The world is about 10. That's a lot of people doing a lot of nothing. Right? Then if you think about Christians, there's only like 6% of Christians that even tithe. The number of Christians that have led another Christian to the Lord is 2%. There's a lot of people doing nothing every day and busy and tired. Thank y'all. Y'all are excited. So, so whenever, whenever he starts off in Ecclesiastes here, he starts off, it almost sounds like he's morbid for a minute. Vanity of vanities, everything's vanity. And he's looking back at his life and he begins to make some analogies. He begins to make, and I'm going to read a couple of them to you in a minute, but he makes, he makes an analogy having been a rich king. He said, I've noticed bad stuff happens to everybody. Moral and immoral, good, bad, poor, rich, intelligent, and stupid. It doesn't seem to matter it, what you do or what you do in life, how stuff happens. And we've had this idea that if I'm a born-again Christian, I won't have any trouble. I hope y'all have woken up. Somehow or another, that hasn't seemed to hinder the world, the flesh, or the devil in my life. I've had all kind of stuff happen that I didn't plan for, didn't expect it, 
And some of it I didn't cause. You know, some of it we did. So let's come back to Ecclesiastes and talk about what Solomon is talking about here. So he says right here, verse 2, what, what profit is a man from his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away and another one comes. And, and he says, listen, people come and people go. People come and they go. Boy, now before, I'm going to get you out. I'm going to get you out of this now that you're sitting here looking really sad. There's a point to this. So get excited by faith. Chapter 2, verse 15, Ecclesiastes 2, 15. So I said in my heart, as it happens to the fool, it happened to me. Why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, that's vanity. <laughs> in other words, I've been studying, I've been reading, I've been praying, I've been obeying, I've been going to church, and stupid happens. And you have to admit, it does. So he's looking back at his life and just kind of in retrospective at what, what, what is the meaning of all of it anyway. We're going to get there, and, it, and it's good. Verse 16, there's no more remembrance of the wise and the fool. You can go to a graveyard right now and look at tombstones and go, I don't know anybody here. Unless you write something on it, someone stumbles by and reads it. Amen. Therefore, okay, verse 17, therefore I hated life because the work that was once under the sun was distressing to me for its vanity and grasping of the wind. And I hated my labor in which I had toiled under the sun because I must leave it to the man that's coming after me. And you stop and think, well, I'm going to die. Somebody's going to marry Lisa and get my guns. If not the boys, don't shout me down. But you know, but he's 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 kind of he's kind of thinking in real terms here that in all reality, we hit the ground running when we're kids, and we're taught work hard, make money, make a lot, buy a house, get a mortgage that'll take you to the morgue. Get insurance for the time when you get old, life insurance, health insurance, you're going to need it, you know, that kind of thing. And then you turn 70, and you go, whoa, I have been running like a rabbit for years, amen, and still am. There's a point that I'm getting to. Let's come back over here and let's read it. I'm thinking you're thinking to yourself, well, please get to it. You're t- you're, you're... Verse 24, nothing is better for a man that he should eat and drink and his soul would enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. Enjoy your life. Now, starting in chapter 3, verse 1, he makes a statement here. To everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time you're born. There is a time you die. A time to pluck, time to kill, time to heal. And he goes on talking about this time zone. Where I want to go here is verse 9. What profit has the worker from what was his labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of man are occupied. And he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in our hearts, except no one can find the work of God from beginning to end. That's a powerful statement in the middle of this. Now, think, let's, let's go over this statement he made. He has made everything beautiful in his time. When I was young, that was a time to grow and learn. 
there came a time when school and growing and learning came not to an end, but it slowed up and it became a time to get a job, to start a family, to get a family, to get a home, to, to do all the things that I was destined to do while I'm here. As we went, as I went through, there was a time to change. There was a time to mature. There was a time in my life to get right with God. There was a time to make adjustments. There's time. And what he said here is powerful because a lot of times we look at senior citizens and we don't think of it as being a beautiful time, but it is. It is a time in your life when the Bible, when the book of Ecclesi- when the book of Proverbs says, a young man's strength is in his arms, but an old man's strength is in his gray hair. It, it just seems like I can actually sit down now and use my brain and stop a lot of stupid. Well, I wouldn't do that if I was you because I've been there, done that, and bought the T-shirt. Don't do it. You know, there's a time in your life where you need to look back. And so as, as Lisa was planning my birthday, I began to reflect on this, on this scripture. This is a good time. It's, it's a time for me to take all that I know and make sure that my sons and daughters and grandchildren are equipped for the time ahead. It's a time to make sure you're ready for the time ahead. It's a season. Uh, You know, whenever the Lord started telling me to write books, I was flabbergasted. I went, I'm not a writer. Well, you know, somehow or another, God didn't know that. So I found out that I could preach the book and get someone else to write it. And yet, I know it's time to take some of the stuff I know and pass it to a generation. I've got four children's books I'm doing right now, and I have this in my soul of of parents sitting down and reading the stories all over the earth of the things the Lord told me when I was a young Christian, and now I'm making it to where even children can read it and understand it. And yet it's a season, it's a time for me to slow down and to write and to make sure that what I know is on paper. When we did the Bible school, I wanted to make sure that a lot of things I've been through have been recorded so you can bring it up even if I leave the planet. Brother Hagen, you have no idea what it's like for me to go home and sit down and plug him in to my iPad and listen to him in the 80s and the 90s and, and to get fed by that, and yet he's gone. But there was a time that God had for him to record it, write his books, get this down. There's going to be people need this, and he's still preaching. You need to think about that, and we're going to get into eternity in a minute. He made everything beautiful in its time, and he put eternity in our heart. Now, now, I'm going to say something to you right now. Go to John 17. Hold your place here and go to John 17, because I, I want to talk about a problem that the church has created, and it's, it's where the apathy is coming from. It's where the problems in America are coming from, and it's an incomplete gospel. It's very incomplete. John 17, yeah, let me see if that's right. John 17, 1. What is eternal life? Now, now the gospel that we've heard all of our life, and let, me, let me elaborate on this a minute. Come to Jesus and go to heaven. That's, that's actually totally false. And I'm going to prove it to you. And it's the reason why people in America, even Christians, act the way they act. You think that because you got born again, you got real estate in heaven. And I'm going to show you in the Bible, you're not going to spend much time in heaven in eternity at all. It's not your home. It never was and never will be. You say, are there mansions there? I'm pretty sure there are. 
God's got it even set up to where if you're only there a few years, you'll be living in grand style. But I want to go back right now and take the Bible and open it up because when you get older, now let me, let me explain to you this. Because I, I often meet older people. When I say older people, understand that I'm using that so I don't say old people so people in the church aren't being offended tonight. So when I say older, I mean older than most. But I have a saying that I say to older people almost everywhere I go, and I walk up and I'll say, hey, young lady, how are you doing? And usually, when they're like Catherine's age, they respond by saying, are you blind? And I go, no, I'm not blind. And I'll say, young lady, and they'll go, <laughs> thank you, sweetie, but you know what? You have not got good eyes. Listen, I'm not talking about your body. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I've gotten way past my body. You need to get past yours. And so very often when I'm talking to older men, they'll all go, oh, how old are you? I'll say, I'm 70. They go, I got you, boy, 15 years. I said, how long are you planning on living? They go, I hope to 80 or 90. How long are you planning on living? I said, forever. Amen. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, I, I believe, yeah, I'm a Christian too. Yeah, you sound like it. <laughs> you, you, all, you, but here, but, but listen, listen to me. Almost everyone you talk to, almost Everybody has a date you're going to die, and it's about 80. What would you do if I told, what are we going to do with the scripture? If you believe in me, you'll never. Where did we get that doctrine that we're going to come to Jesus so you can go to heaven? The point of it was to scare the hell out of you so you'd get saved. What happened is people came along and said, well, I'll get right with God at 85. Because I want to sow my wild oats, live like hell, and then go to heaven. Oh, y'all, I hear it. And you do too. Now, I'm going to read a scripture to you. I want to show you what eternal life is. John 17, 1. You ready? Jesus spoke these words, lifted his eyes into heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son will glorify you. You have given him authority over all flesh that he would give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they'll be able to come to heaven and eat without getting fat and, and play harps. This is eternal life. They'll know what? God. You'll know God. What is eternal life? Coming back to God. Christianity was never about real estate in heaven. It was bringing you and I back to where Jesus, where at what Adam lost in the garden, Jesus brought us back to that spot so that you and I could be born again and come back into fellowship and relationship with God and walk with God in the earth. And if we were doing it, death wouldn't matter. Right now, the last thing I'm thinking about is dying. But I am aware I will, and I'm going to prove to you I don't care. What are you going to do with the scripture? Death, where is your sting? Do you know what happens when you die? You just step out of your body and go into another room. And you leave no forwarding email address. That's all, and nobody can find you anymore. Creditors can't find you. Your spouse can't. Nobody can find you. But they can meet you there later. Yes, now, now let's get on this subject while I'm on it. Let's just. I'm going to go ahead and hair lip Bear Creek. I'm on. I'm praying for the rapture. The rapture is multiple deaths. What do you think happens when he snatches you out of your flesh? You die. Okay, I'm going to come over here and preach. But, you know, we, we've been taught to fear death, and yet death has been conquered. I was watching um, um, Dwayne Sheriff the other day, and I, he said something, and he said it on the video, and I went back trying to figure out, what are you talking about, Dwayne? But apparently, he had died 
somewhere in a hospital or something, and, and he left his body, stepped over into glory, and his wife, Sue, commanded him to return. And he said, all of a sudden, he found himself back in his body. And he said, it was cool. I mean, there was no violent, you know, get over cowboy movies. Nobody's going to slit your throat or shoot you. Now, I, I, don't, I didn't get Betty's permission to do this, and I pray that if she's my friend when she leaves. But I remembered, like, what is it, one or two or three weeks before Marshall passed. And I came in here, and the Lord spoke to me, speak, tell Betty, tell Betty this, that you'll be in the bedroom. Marshall will leave, but he'll be standing there. He will be unaware of why Betty is not responding to him. He's going to be going, honey, honey. And she's going to be looking at the bed. He's going to look and see that his body's there, and he will not even have known he left. And I told Betty, you can talk to him for a minute before some reason or another, God is leaving him behind for a few minutes for your sake. And that was, that, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And yet, you know, we've heard about people getting in car wrecks, and they said, all I notice is I watched the ambulance come and get me, and the angel took me. And it, it's not what you, th- listen, it, it's not the booger you thought it was. But because we've never been there. You know, when, they, when Lisa and I found out we were going to Hawaii, I was not afraid, though I had never been there. Right. Never mind. I've heard of other people who went, and they all came back and told me it was awesome. So if it was awesome, why would I be home dreading going to Hawaii? Lisa wanted to go and like dying and not come back. Never mind. Not really, I'm teasing. She did not. Now, so what is eternal life? Eternal life has always just been walking with God. Let me, let me, let me get another one. Go to John 14. We're going to be in John for a few minutes here. And I'm going to kind of hair lip Bear Creek again. You know, it's fun if you actually read your Bible, you can actually find stuff in it. But if you listen to other preachers, you'll never know nothing. Except what they learned from someone else, which is probably not much. But one day I'm reading this and the Lord is showing me something because I'm studying eternal life. Sinners live forever. Everybody lives forever. Somewhere. And, I, and Jesus talked about that. That's a big deal. John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Now, we have every Christian song on God's green earth has, capped, has made millions of dollars on that scripture. And, I'm, and now, before I get started, I don't want anybody in here to get mad, throw anything at me. But there is nothing anywhere in your Bible that says there's mansions in heaven. Now, are there? Well, everybody that's died said there are. So let's believe there are. I, I, I don't believe there's just a flat plane. That'd be terrible. You know, what are we doing? We're just sitting around here and sit on the ground like Indians. And so, you know, I mean, I, mean, I don't think God's that morbid. But this scripture doesn't say it. The literal word mansions is the Greek word dwelling place. Now, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Jesus did not come to give you heaven. Jesus came to bring you back to Father. And Adam lost his place in God. Now, last night in Bible school, we learned that the two words that unlock the whole New Testament is the phrase, in Christ. Without, you, you, now I said this last night and this bears repeating. How many of y'all know what hieroglyph, thank you, that is. How many of you know what the Rosetta Stone is? No one could read Egyptian for years. They, they would see all this squirrely stuff and they had no idea what it meant. And then one day they found a Rosetta Stone that explained what the hieroglyphics meant. Now they can go back to all the tombs and read everything that they wrote. Everything in your Bible 
is mystery until you get the Rosetta Stone of if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Everything has become new. I was crucified with Christ. Never. Everything God did in Christ, he did in you. And once you get it, now you have the key that unlocks the Bible. Okay, okay. Now, this is the reason why. Now, now, now let, me, let me, before I read this, let me explain something to you. Almost every sermon you hear at Easter, Jesus went to the cross and they drove nails in his hands. And because they drove nails in his hands and they beat him, that was punishment for your, your sin. Your sin wasn't the problem. You were dead in sin. You didn't need to be forgiven. You were dead. Okay. That's not, that's, again, that's a piece of truth. That's because man has always read the Bible from the natural, the physical. Jesus died physically. He rose physically. And you ask them what Jesus did for three days, and they go, uh, I don't know. And it's almost like it don't matter. Oh, you better believe it matters. Because him who knew no sin became sin that you might be made the righteousness of God. So he became substitute, went down the region of the dam, paid your debt. And when God said that the debt is paid, he rose from the dead and you rose with him. That's the gospel. All right, all right. So whenever you're, whenever you're reading your Bible and ever you're listening to people preach, everything is Jesus died so you can go to heaven when you die. That's pretty much it. It's got a piece of truth in it. It's kind of like Jesus married me so, Lisa married me so she could get a house. That's kind of true. (laughs) I built her two and a half. But I really think there was a lot more to it than getting a house. Thank you, Lisa, for that. Amen. (laughs) I would like to think that your... Her love for me is more than what I can do with my checkbook. I'd like to believe your love for God is more than the healing he gives you and the money he puts in your pocket and a real estate when you die. I'd like to believe it has something to do with you fellowshipping and, and walking again with God. That's, that's what I'd like to believe. All right, all right. 14, uh, where, where did I leave off? In my father's house, many mansions, many dwelling places. If we're not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to add to it, in God. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming again. He's not talking about at the second coming. He's talking about when he rose from the dead. Don't add to the script. Don't add to the Bible. If I go to prepare, he'll come to you. And where I am, you can be. Where is he? With God. And where, and where, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. And where I'm going, and he said, and, and they said, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? We don't even know where you're going. And he said, I'm the way the truth and the life, no one gets to heaven but by me. Come on, read it with me. Look at it. No one gets where? You can't come back to God without the blood of Jesus. And I'm not anti-heaven. I'm not anti-heaven. Well, we're going to have a good time in the next Thursday. You're going to go. You're going to leave here going, this is actually pretty good. I thought he was going to get morbid on us here for a few minutes. Verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known the Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And he said, have I been with you so long, yet you have known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now, let me, let me read this doctrinally. Let me read it denomination. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven but by me. If you'd have known me, you'd have known heaven. From now on, you've seen heaven. Philip said, show us heaven. He said, it suffices you. He said, have I been along with you no long, so long and you haven't seen what heaven's like? You, you really got to mess that scripture up real bad to make it say that. Yeah. And it doesn't say it. That's right. I mean, you imagine Jesus going to the cross so you, just so you can have a mansion. Ah, oh, what kind of mansion do I have? What? Come on, never mind. Well, I want to tell you something about God. If Jesus is where, if Jesus is there, it's heaven. And if he's not, it's hell. And I could care less what the house looks like. That's true now. 
You can have a nice house and it'd be hell on earth because you're not walking with the highest thing you do in your life, right? When you go to bed at night, how's your walk with God? Because if not, your life isn't worth 10 cents. Whoa, that's almost anti-American. Chapter 11, verse 25, John 11, 25. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Never what? Die. Well, then wait a minute. What's 70? What's 80? What's 90? What's 100? What's 120? What's 130? What's 140? What concerns me is that people have made a lot of plans up until 80. I'm making plans past. I've been out looking for the property I want during the millennial reign. And I'm taking Rock Springs back from Orange County so people can swim in the thing. The bacteria rate is too high. We can only allow 100 people. That's the biggest crock of baloney I have ever heard. You got a spring that's got too much bacteria in it. It's flowing, numb nut. And then you're conserving water. What are you going to do? Turn the spring off? Never mind. I'll come over here and preach up. The government is crazy. Lisa and I figured out how to beat them. Y'all want to know? Want to know how to beat Orange County? We took our camper to Rock Springs and rented a space for a week. We came and went as we went. We were swam in the morning, swam in the afternoon, swam at night, went in and out of the park, and nobody told us we couldn't because my camper was there. And we took Justin, and we took, uh, we took Megan, and we took uh, Teresa and uh, staff, and, and they all went swimming on my nickel. Come on, y'all. That, my wife is very smart. The Orange County pulls one, she'll pull one over on them. And we've already been walking around thinking about where we're going to build our house. Never mind. I knew I'd lose y'all. Did I? One day, I was laying in my bed, and the Lord said to me, do you know how you're going to be getting around during the millennial rain? And I went, no, sir. He said, you're going to be flying in bubbles. And I went, that's cool. And then he said, want to know how it's going to work? I went, well, while you're talking, yeah. He said, I'm going to teach man how to use the magnetic force of the earth. You'll create a bubble that you get in it and sit down, and you can plug where you want to go into the little computer, and there's a screen that'll come up on, you know, the whole bubble will be made out of like millions of little dots, and if you block them from electricity, it'll float, but don't block them all because you'll take off. You only want enough to get you above a popka. And then you want to block the ones behind you so it floats forward. And he said, it'll all be voice activated like everything I make. So at home, you'll get in and go, take me to church. And it'll go, Whoop. I know this is Star Wars. And everything else they put in a movie we're doing. Hey, Dick Tracy, come on, Kenny, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And we're going to be able to move along, and, and, and you want to go in somewhere, you can go downtown Orlando and get on a big one and go. And we are going to do it. Oh, y'all. I'm, just, I'm excited. I'm already, I'm already making plans. I got ideas. Y'all went quiet on me. I think it's Nancy being in the room. Y'all quiet because Nancy's here. There's another scripture I'm not going to turn over. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the sting of death. Go to Psalm 115. Psalm 115. 
Now let's talk about the earth. Psalm 115. Now, I'm watching the earth right now, and I'm going to tell you all a secret. It's messed up. It's real messed up. Now, we know. Now, there is a, people have asked me what I think about the rapture. I cannot find seven years pre-rapture, pre-trib anywhere, but I have found it in one place, and if y'all want to know where it is. I've only found it in one place. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. I went back over there one day and I read it, and I found out that God locked them in the ark seven days before the flood. And I went, all right then. So you're not going to go through the hell that's coming. Amen. 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 That's good news. But you're going to have to, we have a reason we're here now. And it's not to leave. It's to, we have work. And that's kind of where I'm going tonight. So, so, Psalm 115, 116, no, 16. Heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. The earth, he has given it to the children of men. For how long? Forever. Well, when the earth ends, it ain't ending. Well, the age will end. The earth won't. We're coming back during what we call a millennial reign. That means we're setting up a government that Jesus will rule and you will rule with him. And based on what you're doing now, obey or not, is your job assignment then. It's not that you're not going to heaven or you are going to heaven or, or you're lost. That's not an issue. If you're not obeying him now, you're probably not going to do real, real good then. So if you find yourself working as the manager of McDonald's, don't blame anybody. But he said to one man, I'll give you many cities. Well, you can't have many cities if you haven't done the job he gave you to do this down here. And let me make a statement to you about the job that he gave you to do down here. You're going to have to put your flesh under to do it. Because it's not going, it's going to be an inconvenience to your American way of life. You're not an American. You're a Christian. And he doesn't care about what you think of Sunday. It's not your day off, and your business is not a ministry. Ah. And your boss is not your pastor. Don't ask me how, where I heard that from. I'm not going to tell you. Ecclesiastes, back to eight. Go back to Ecclesiastes now. <coughs> I'll find out what's wrong with my throat. Nothing, nothing. Eight. Ecclesiastes eight, twelve. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know it will be well with those who fear God and walk before him in fear. It will be well. All right, I'm going to show you now. We're going to go to the Mac Daddy scripture right now. We're going to Mr. and Mrs. Mac Daddy scripture. We're going to talk about exactly why he wrote this whole thing. Now, chapter 9, verse 5. The living know they will die, and you will. You can buy all the cream you want to. You can tuck and stuff. I don't know if I should say that. I'm, getting, I'm not quite sure I understand Botox. Help me. Why does a woman want to on purpose look like a chipmunk eating acorns? I'm going, you're doing Botox. Woof, it ain't helping you. If you're doing that, then that's, I'm sorry I made you mad. Honey, just smile and quit tucking your face. It's just, you'd look prettier if you just got a Bible out and rejoice in the Lord always and counted all joy. And you just got, if you just got happy, you'd be pretty. The old sourpuss old thing. Walking around with Botox stuff up in your face. 
I'm starting to feel like Jesse to planets right now. I know. He says all kind of stupid stuff, and he gets away with it too. And it don't, I hadn't gotten away with too much. The dead know nothing, and they have no more reward. The memory of them is forgotten, and their love and their hatred and envy and perished. Nevermore will they share in anything under the sun. There is coming a day when your work is done, and there's nothing else. Any good you want to do, do it now. Lisa made a statement about my birthday. Can I say something to y'all? I'd rather you come to my birthday than my funeral, because at least I get to hug you. Why do we wait until someone dies to come into the church and talk about how, stop, call them today. Take them out to eat. I'm sorry, mother, I left you in that nursing home for 37 years, and now you're dead in a coffin, and I just want you to know while I'm talking to your dead corpse that I loved you. (laughs) Shut it up right now. Goofy thing. Am I making y'all mad yet? Okay, okay. If, if, if you're going to do something, do it. No regret. Lisa, Lisa was so sweet to her mom. Her last days. She made sure that she was there and helped her mom and went to the house. And I think well, the last several years of her life. And I said, well, you're, you're quite the daughter. She said, I will have no regrets. I'm not going to a funeral and cry what I should have done. I had a chance to, to take care of my mother, and I did. My sister Nancy here, there got to the point where my, my mother was living with us and sleeping on my couch in the living room, and she never slept one wink at night, and we didn't either. <laughs> and I called Nancy, and I went, I need help. I can't take her anymore. And so Nancy took her and took good care of her. And Mark was there when she passed. Actually, September 21st. Yeah, t- tomorrow. When my mother went home to be with the Lord. And I thank God that, that we have family. And Nancy made a wonderful statement about my mother. And you should know it. She called me one day and said, can we spank our mother? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, it, it's, a labor, it's a labor of love. Yeah. And and when you find out that your parents are bigger kids than you were, it's quite the, mom, you're you're crazy. Okay. Verse 7, go eat your bread with joy, drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Let your garments always be white, and let your head lack no oil. Now, now, go to chapter 12, verse 1. How are we doing for time? Oh, pretty good. Might even get out a minute or two early. Here's the, here's the ending of the whole thing, and this is what got me going. Chapter 12, verse 1. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before difficult days come and years draw when you say, I have no pleasure in them. I'm going to look back and make a statement to you about my childhood, about my, when I was young. I, I was born again at 22. That's the first intelligent decision I ever made when I made it. And I knew, I knew, this better be good. I better do this one, and you better do it right. I can look back now from, what, 22 to 70, someone do the math. I have very little regrets. I will tell you this. I have served him. With all of my heart. Now, ask me, have I done everything right? Absolutely not. Do I have things look back and go, oh, I messed that up. But, there's, but God is good because he judges us based on our heart. And, and I look at myself and I want to look at young people and I want to say, the, the time I'm, right now standing here in 70, I will be honest with you. I was 22 a year ago. I mean, I have no idea. I don't even remember 50 and 60. It went, whoa. And now I'm standing back going, it's whose birthday tomorrow? And I'm how old? No, I'm not. 
and I'm going to come and see what y'all do. But I'm going to tell you the one decision I made. I did it right at 22. I did it right. I don't want to live my life and get right with God at the end. And if you're not, get there now. And I mean get there now. Because nothing on this planet means anything if you're not walking with God. Your life is a zero. And you are a miserable human being. You think that more of the earth, more of the planet, more sex, more money, more drugs, more women, more men, more cars, more house, is going to fill the void in your soul? It will not. That was the whole point that Solomon is making here. He's going, at the end of my life, I can tell you right now, I've had money, I've had riches, I've had everything in the world, and there is nothing matters until you go to sleep at night with peace and joy. He said they're the most valuable things you have. All right, I'm going to finish reading here. Anyway, go down to verse 6. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed. Or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered in the fountain, or the wheels broken at the wheel, and the dust returns to the earth, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise. Now, here's where I relate I'm a preacher. And I'm gonna tell you, I relate to everything he's fixing to say. Because the preacher was wise, he taught the people knowledge. I wake up. Every day of my life, for Sunday, Wednesday, Bible school, preach the word, share the word with someone, and to watch someone's life get changed because I've learned something that will help you. And I'm going to tell you this. I've been a lot of places, and I've done a lot of things. When we went to Hawaii, and, and, and people asked me, they asked me, what, what was the thing in Hawaii that impacted you the most? Our cheese leason said it was the food when he cooked a steak one night. And I'm going to tell you something. Scuba diving was fun. Snorkeling was fun. Fishing was fun. Jumping out of a helicopter was fun. But we went over to Josh's daughter's house, and Lisa got a guitar out one night and led worship, and every kid in the house got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I came back from Hawaii and went, that was fruitful. Kids. Boy there. I said, where's your Bible? He said, on my phone. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to handwrite me one. I came home and bought him one and sent it to him. Now that means something to me, that everywhere Lisa and I have ever been, that we have never been on a vacation, that we don't have somebody in a car, the back seat, in a hotel room, getting a born-again filled with the Holy Ghost or Hill. And I can actually look back and say, me and this lady have had a good life. Come on, y'all. I look up right now and I see people sitting around the room and there's people in here who wouldn't have made it. They wouldn't have made it. I remember when, when, when Ms. Zeller's back there, they were down in Texas and, and, and she needed to get her daughter and get here. And it was no big deal to drive 12 hours to go down and sit in the courtroom for an hour with her. Because she, that's important. That's important, y'all. Yeah. I remember the day I met Robert, sat in my office. That's important. That's a big deal. That's a big deal, guys. Amen. To watch God do things in his life and, and, and to minister. And I remember when, when Lisa came, she had health issues. Well, she's overcome a bunch of them. She's got more to go. God's moving mightily in her life. And you, I could sit around the room and tell you, there's, there's all kind of people in this church. And not just in this church. The other day, Justin went down with, um, with David. And how many did they baptize down there? 84, 84 people. It, 83, excuse me. Baptized 83 people. And he said, I came home and he said, next time I'm taking Zach. He said, they wore my arms out. He's like doing curls for hours with 100 and 220 pound you know, guys in the, in the tub, that's, that's a lot of work. 
But you know, that's, that's a big deal. And Justin comes back and tells me every week, got one or two people every week in the gym born again. Are they all in here? No. Listen to me. God can clean his own fish. Don't, don't judge a church by its size. Judge it by what it's doing. We're not growing churches. We're growing people. And we're not just growing them in the building. We're growing them everywhere we go. Okay, let me finish. Moreover, because the preacher was wise, he taught the people knowledge. He pondered, sought out, set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given to the shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these, for the making of books there is no end, and much study is wearisome to your flesh. But let's hear the conclusion of this whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is your all. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is why you live. I got another scripture. Let me finish this. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, good or evil. Now let me close with this one statement and listen to what I'm gonna say. Every day of my life, Wilson, I wake up with one thought. There's coming a day when I'm gonna stand before Jesus and I'm gonna give an account of my life. Now I'm gonna tell you a secret. It's kept me from stupid. I could have had a lot of stupid. But knowing, knowing that I am going to stand before him and there ain't any way to get out of it and you're not going to lie. And he's not going to accept your pity party or your victim mentality. Because he'll look at you and say, you're a bald-faced liar. I gave you 1,000 chances. Don't lie to me. Oh, that's good. He will bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, good or evil. I'm going to tell you that one thing, the fear of God, and I don't mean being afraid of God, but reverence for God. I've never, never been unfaithful to Lisa. Never, never, not close. I want to tell you, I stay so far from women that I think all women have AIDS. If they look at me, I go, she has AIDS and any thought disappears. It helps me. Now, where, you know where I got that thought? I know a girl who was unfaithful to her husband once and a man gave her a disease. Screwed up her her life, her marriage, and her future for one orgasm. Wow. Ain't worth it. Nope. Ain't a, ain't a, there, ain't no, there ain't a woman on the planet that pretty. They, they ain't made her yet. Amen. That's right. There's not a dollar you have that's worth going to hell for. Never thought about your money. Never coveted your money. Never lived one day of my life to increase financially because I'm pastoring a church. I've always just given it to God and said, you take care of me. I gave Lisa the checkbook, and she will tell you that 999% of the time, I don't even know if there's enough money in there to eat. I just look at her and say, how are we doing? She goes, good. And I go, all right, let's go. I say, can we go to Y? She goes, yep. I say, let's go. Or she'll say no, and I go, okay. Just keep enough money for me to put gas in my truck. Oh, y'all are doing pretty good. But, but, but see, but, but, but my day off is, is not because I'm tired of God. I just need to rest my body. I don't go to the beach because I'm having a bad day. I go to the beach because I'm having a good day. And I want to enjoy God. I don't go to the beach because I'm backslidden and trying to find joy and peace. I just look at the ocean and it gives me so much peace. You're backslidden as hell. You need to get saved. My peace comes from Jesus. I woke up with, I'm going to bed tonight and I'm going to sleep because I am at peace with God. And I have joy. Amen. Not looking for happiness. Been happy before, been unhappy. I had a person one time says, I'm lonely. Well, listen, if you're lonely, you're out of fellowship with God. If you think of being married is going to make you unlonely, you're crazy. You can be, I'm married to Lisa and there's times I'm real lonely because she ain't home. 
She ain't nowhere around. I get a phone call. I'll be home. And I'm like, I'm lonely. Well, you, she goes, get a Bible. <laughs> Go get right with God. <laughs> Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is man's all. That's, it's, actually, it's so simple. You'd have to be a theologian to mess this up. So I'm going to tell you something. I'm standing here at 70 years of age, and I'm planning my next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. I, I, I just have a great big vision, and, and I'm aware, I'm aware that one day y'all will come in here and go, ah, he's gone. And I'm going to tell you this. If you hear I'm dead, it's a lie. I'm not. I'm, I'm not I, no, don't, don't believe a word. I'm not going to die. But I'm, I will leave and not be back. And if you want, I'll see you later. I know this sounds goofy for a 70-year-old man to preach a sermon on the day you die, but, but I, I've, I've had a couple of times that I thought I was not going to make it. And I read the scripture on Hezekiah, and I went to God, and I said, I know you can keep me alive. I still have things I want to do. I'm not ready to go. You said you'd satisfy me with long life. And right now, I'm not satisfied yet. And I recovered. I don't think God's trying to see how fast he can get me out of here. Lisa, I know's not. She has a honey-do list for the simple reason of keeping me around. You can't leave. You have things to do around this house. Oh, by the way, Roto-Rooter's coming tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. Friday. We have, a, we have two septic takes, thank God. In my house, when one plugs up, we have another one. Everybody ought to have more than one toilet. I don't know how in the world we did it with one toilet. When Nancy, when we grew up with one, how did we grow up with one toilet? I think I used the backyard a lot. Because Irish's barn. Well, no, we didn't have wipes. We didn't even hardly have. We had Sears and Roebuck. <laughs> Say amen. I knew this was going to be a little different. And it's very difficult to preach a sermon knowing your sister's coming. And she knows all the Bible. And now I have to preach something that she's never heard before because she knows so much. She's been to Bible school, so I have to watch Nancy when she gets around. But I'll tell you this. The world has this whole thing about old age wrong. It's not the booger that you thought it was. This is a time in your life. There's things that you have to get done in this season. And it's a wonderful time. So enjoy this season of your life. Your kids need you. Your grandkids need you. There's people who need you. Amen. So you ready to pray? It's 808. I'm getting you out of here a few minutes earlier. Don't get, don't, don't get used to it. Father God, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity to open up the Word of God. This is a subject we've needed to talk about a long time. We're here to get a job done. We're here on the earth to get a job done. We're not leaving until it gets done. There's people who need the gospel, and they need us. Not afraid of the world we're living in not afraid of the fires, not afraid of the floods, we're not afraid of the, what's going on in Washington, D.C. The only thing we need to be concerned about is what is it you want us to get done? And when we're done, we're leaving and we'll be back. I pray that we walk out of here tonight with a revelation of that, that right now very well may be the best time the church has ever had in the history of the church. I believe the greatest move of God is ahead of us. And I believe it's going to be because we get our eyes on what you called us to do. And we thank you for that, sir. In Jesus' name, amen. You got this? We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us, too, that if you would love to give, 
to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.